February 2024, 24 years and counting. 24 years ago this month, Kim and I embarked on this Live by Faith itinerant ministry. Prior to this, I had pastored children for 14 years at four different churches overall in four different states, these New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. After finishing my fourth children's pastorate here in Delaware, my original intent was to next to take a youth pastorate. My ministry strategy I intended to implement was to minister to the youth and also train them how to minister to children. I would then use them as my children's ministry team in the next church I went to. Hence, I would do both roles, youth and children's pastor, and basically kill two birds with one stone. As I sought the Lord and counseled with trusted brothers and fathers in the Lord, we all felt the heart of our Lord for me at that time was rather to be a minister to the body of Christ at large. This decision was also confirmed by a minister friend from Australia, Graham Nelson, whom I was doing ministry with in Missouri at that transitional time. Graham felt the Lord had spoken to him after watching me minister. He told me that my giftings from the Lord were exactly that, to the body of Christ at large, and not to be confined to one local assembly. Over the 24 years, I have repeatedly seen this truth confirmed. How long will I continue to do so? Only our Lord knows that. What I do know is that his fire still presently burns in me to continue doing what I have been doing. I trust that when it's time for a transition, he will dim this present flame and ignite it elsewhere in his kingdom. One thing I also know for sure, I have repeatedly entreated him that when I can no longer bear fruit for him on earth, to please take me home. Not to bear fruit for him while we live here on the earth is a waste of time and life. Turning to the right or to the left. This being the precipice of a new year, it is good, wise, and helpful to reponder the following sobering thoughts. In my travels late last year, I preached a number of times concerning King Josiah and high places. Each time I do, I too am smitten by the message's contents. My heart is sickened by how I have been sidetracked by numerous and various enticements. They steal my time, thoughts, emotions, and energy. They also, by doing so, cause me to do the opposite of King Josiah. What is that? He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, walking in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. 2 Chronicles 34.2 The more I would go back to the sacred text and study and ponder these words, the more deeply saddened my heart would become as I recollected how many brothers of mine, with whom I had once spent much time with in the presence of our Lord, had turned aside to the right or to the left. Some were Bible school students. Some were worship leaders. Now they don't attend church anymore. On their social media sites there isn't one mention of the Lord, nor of his kingdom, nor of his gospel. Everything they post has to do with the world, its places of interest, its places of amusement. They give the impression to their followers that they're doing good now, now that they're away from him and his church, his people. Oh, they don't type those words, but that attitude comes through loud and clear. They have given up the pursuit. It is a personal agony I cannot convey in words, beloved. A number of these brothers had dreams, aspirations, and zeal to serve the Lord in the ministry, and some did. But now, it's as if they never knew him. I am dumbfounded how so many of them seem content in the new life they've chosen. Too many are cynical towards the church. I don't condemn them for that. I fight that same cynicism on a daily basis. But they allowed the issues that come with the church, which, by the way, God's word said would come, 
to kill in them their desire for fellowship with the Son of God, a fellowship which he paid a very high price for them to have. It tears me up inside like I cannot express. Flash paper. One thing I am very afraid these same brothers do not realize that is that from the very moment they gave up said pursuit and began their new journey to pursue the world and all it offers is that in a very real way flash paper began to ignite and burn up all around them in the unseen world. Flash paper is an object lesson I use from time to time to illustrate various biblical principles. For my High Places message, it visualizes what happens to a person when they cease their pursuit of the Lord and His will for their lives. Immediately, their works, their endeavors, their pursuits of worldly interests and pleasures, etc., their substitutes for God, begin to burn up. Every second not lived for our Lord, His glory, His kingdom, His gospel in eternity are wasted seconds, never to be retrieved, never to be relived. They're lost forever. All of us are being followed. We are being followed by our works. Revelation 14:13. Quote, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. 1 Corinthians 3:13. What breaks me up inside is that these brothers don't realize this is happening. For some reason, if they did, I'd want to believe that they'd fall on their faces before the living God and entreat Him to forgive and restore them to Himself. But, more often than not, they don't. I do know one thing with all certainty. They will do this one day, on that great day, when they stand before Him in shame and deep regret that they wasted so much of their earthly lives, lives that that could have been so productive for the Lord, the true vine, if only they had continued to cling to Him their jealous Lord. And how does their God feel about their wandering from Him? Oh, if they only knew, how very quickly by His gracious enabling and drawing they would come back to Him. When our Lord's people, His bride, Israel, whom He chose above and instead of all other nations on the earth, Deuteronomy 10, verses 14 and 15, wandered from Him and gave themselves to other gods, which is the only possible alternative when one departs from the living God, Yahweh, their husband, longed for them. Quote, I have fond memories of you, how devoted you were to me in your early years. I remember how you loved me like a new bride. You followed me. Israel was set apart to the Lord. They were like the first fruits of a harvest to him. All who tried to devour them were punished. Disaster came upon them. What fault could your ancestors have possibly found in me that they strayed so far from me? These are all from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, in the New English Translation. It continues to dumbfound and amaze me that our God, being self-sufficient, that is, he has no need of anyone or anything, should even care how his people feel toward him. Why does he make himself so vulnerable emotionally to them? I'll tell you why. For his own holy and wise reasons, he has set his affections upon his people that he has not set upon others. This love on God's part is selective, it's exclusive, it's intense, and fiercely loyal. Hence, along with these divine affections comes a divine jealousy, even to the point of calling himself by that name. Exodus 34:14. What brings me to mute adoration is that this jealousy on the Lord's part for his people's affections is so strong 
that he even invites them to identify any fault or cause, etc., in him that may have caused the breach in their relationship. I don't even know what to say to this, beloved. I do know this, though. Our Lord on that great day will ask every one of those people who wandered from him in life that same question. What did I do to you that you no longer pursued me during your life? The Landing Craft In 1998, the movie Saving Private Ryan won the Oscar for Best Picture. Its opening scene graphically depicted the horrendous and tragic events surrounding the initial landing by the Allies on the shores of Normandy, France. It was D-Day, June 6, 1944. To invade the beaches, which were occupied by the Germans, the Allies used sea vessels called landing craft to bring their GIs to shore. Each vessel was filled with new young recruits. Many of them were just boys in a a very real way. They had spent countless months in boot camp training and nonstop drilling. They were fully dressed for battle, both in uniforms, armor, and weaponry. Some were filled with zeal, excitement, and bent on revenge towards the Nazis. Many were filled with anxiety, and all of them, to some degree or other, were terrified. Very many tragic events unfolded that terrible first day of the invasion. Surely the very worst was, as soon as the landing craft hit the beach and their front drawbridge doors dropped onto the shore, the dreaded German MG-42 machine guns, or the buzzsaws as they were called, relentlessly mowed down countless recruits in these vessels. All of those months of preparation, all of the money spent to do so, but by far most importantly, all of those precious young lives trained for this historic day were lost. I have pondered this scene in this movie many times over the years when I have mourned over my brothers who, like me, when we were in Bible school together, had so much zeal and excitement to do great exploits for the Lord. So many in early stages of their ministries, when their drawbridge dropped, were taken out of action too quickly so quickly. To be sure, since 1986, when I first commenced in the ministry, I felt and feared many, many times that I was done. It was over. I, too, would be just another one of many Bible school graduate casualties. Fear is one of my best friends. Our Lord has graciously used these brothers of mine who have become Christian casualties to actually produce the opposite behavior in me. Repeatedly observing and pondering these tragedies over the many years has bred a fear of the Lord in me that has kept me from doing the same. This fear of the Lord is one of my best friends. It, along with His great love and grace, has caused me to cling, oh, so very tightly to Him in desperation. By doing so, I have so oft, very often seen my own very deep frailties and weaknesses and have wondered many times, oh Lord, when is it my time to fall? It seems, dear Lord, that everyone else is men who are so much stronger and maturer than me. Someone astutely observed many years ago that as far as our walk with God goes, the love of God is in front of you and the fear of God is behind you. That is to keep you pursuing him. With this, I would concur. Long overdue house cleaning. I'm sure many of you are aware of the very, very many scandals being exposed these days in very large ministries and churches and involving celebrity pastors at that. I must admit, I feel a very deep gratification that this is finally happening as these men have so hurt the honor of the name of our Lord and have caused the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Yet at the same time, these exposures of things hidden 
and not so hidden have caused many ministers to press in closer to the Lord to ensure crouching sin doesn't overcome them. From the prophet Jeremiah to Martin Luther in eight days. Two days after you receive this newsletter, I will be coming out of my time machine for the very first time as the prophet Jeremiah. I have portrayed several Hebrews over the decades. For example, Abraham, Moses, Mishael, who was a cousin of Aaron, Nadab, Joshua, Gideon, Samson, King Solomon's cavalry captain, Elijah, Queen Esther's cavalry escort, King Josiah, Isaiah, Daniel, Simeon, John the Baptist, a first century Jewish vineyard owner, a first century Jewish farm owner, the prodigal son, Jesus of Nazareth, Barabbas, and now Jeremiah. After all, my name Michael is Hebrew, Mikael, who is like God. The weeping prophet will come out of the time machine after his having been flogged and bound by Pasher, the high priest assistant. This is from Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah received such treatment for prophesying against Judah's idolatry and apostasy. He was also persecuted for predicting the coming doom upon the wayward nation via the army of King Nebuchadnezzar. This dramatic presentation is for our Hopeful Summer Camp's winter reunion event. It is a gathering for all veteran staff and campers from any year since Hopewell Summer Camp's inception in 1985. Parents of younger age campers, age 12 and up, are also welcome. Eight days later, I shall emerge from my time machine once again as Martin Luther for a Sunday morning church service in Pennsylvania. Luther, like Jeremiah, was also a prisoner at the time of his life the drama will portray. Both men were confined and persecuted in one way or another for speaking the truth about something desperately needed in our time as well. In myself, like these men, I am weak, weepy, and cowardly. These are hardly the character traits to be a preacher of the gospel. I am often fearful of men. Yes, I know it brings a snare, Proverbs 29:25. But our Lord who resides in me is afraid of no one. I fear him and fall on him, and it is enough. If I trust in myself, which is insanity, I'm sure to fall. But the Lord upholds him with his hand, Proverbs 37, 24. May it be so. Amen. On the precipice of a new year. As Kim and I commenced our 25th year of, of Live by Faith itinerant ministry, I can think of no other prayer to pray at this time than a heartfelt entreaty David made to the Lord millennia ago. Quote, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my ways, and see if there be a wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Unquote. Psalm 39, verses 23 and 24. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. Is there any greater goal in pursuit of a minister, or of a Christian for that matter, than to see his face? I think not. Sincerely, Michael. And my Caboose Commentary Corner quote for this month is, quote, In the Old Testament, the fierceness of God's wrath towards his people is directly proportionate to the intensity of his jealous love for them. Thank you for listening. I pray it blessed and challenged you. Bye.